It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're fixing to have us a good day. Let's have a good day, folks. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Today's show is presented by our friends at Fetch Me Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by my good friend, Pinkter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7. What's up? How are you, sir? Thanks for having me on. We haven't gotten to do this in a little while. We've both been busy, and uh, I don't know. It's just good to talk some Auburn with you. I haven't. I don't, I don't it feel is, like yeah. I've gotten to do it in a, in a week or so. Well, I, I appreciate the time. Uh, you you came in the door this morning. I'm like, <laughs> hey, can you go? Can you go now? Can you go now? So, hey, before we jump into today's conversation, I want to mention uh, we sat down with Spencer Nye yesterday. The first half of our conversation with Spencer Nye I was in the podcast yesterday. Highly encourage you to go check that out. And then also, we just got done with a two-part series in regards to Auburn's top 10 players most likely to break out in 2020. A lot of good feedback from that as well. So that is last Friday's episode and uh, Tuesday's episode. So uh, be sure to go check those out. We're purposely kind of leaving these uh, episodes to kind of have a longer shelf life so folks can go back and listen to them. Also... I've been in a, kind of a hankering painter for some fantasy baseball. <laughs> and so we were putting together a Locked On Auburn Fantasy Baseball League. So if you were interested in that, email me at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. It'll be a head-to-head, standard point ESPN league. That's that's fun, too, because there's so much of it. Like, And it mm-hmm. gives you a reason to, to sort of even just peek at it every day. Just a, just yeah. a minute to be kind of ingrained in it. Yeah, and so we're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna try to get twenty folks. So oh, yeah, that's a good lead. Yeah, so ch- uh, check that out. Just send us an email if you're interested at uh, lockedonauburn at gmail dot com. All right, Painter. So we did a show on Monday, and kind of my, my my spin on it was: all right, Auburn's got a lot of guys in the scouting combine. Auburn had a, several guys get drafted last year, and my big thing was: hey, Malzahn, the whole development thing. It's it. I, I think Malzahn has proven that he is able to develop talent and put guys in the league at this point. There's no doubt, and that is the beginning of what usually sounds like can cliche <laughs> analysis, but um, <laughs> it is very evident for a number of reasons that the, the D word that fans are so yeah. enamored with, uh, Malzahn and his staff are doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I knew that the show from earlier this week would get some response and um, some people agreed. More people agreed and went out of their way to say, hey, I agree with you than I thought, which was surprising. But we got an email from Mike. Once again, you can email the show, LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. said, Zach, one area that has been lacking in development is the wide receivers. And this is just an opinion. It may be more of a passing scheme under Malzahn, but our passing game is just not fluid. These players and routes almost look robotic in their execution. I see good passing teams that it almost looks effortless with great timing. Anyway, I think Coach Morris will really help in this area. Great show. Thanks, Mike. I agree. I think Morris will help with that. As far as the wide receivers go, I mean, for the longest time, I would say I agree with you. But, I mean, Darius Slayton, I mean, you saw, I mean, he was one of the better rookies in in the National Football League last year. It was a great year for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to to the point Mike made, the only position this year where someone, uh, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end are not in the NFL combine. But other than that, 
I mean, you got a lot of other positions where guys are getting looks, right? So on top of the numbers, um, on top of the fact that Auburn recruits traditionally fifth or sixth best in its conference. Now you might say, well, hey, that's not my problem as a fan, but like <laughs> I like how you phrased that. Alabama, Georgia, LSU are always always going to recruit better than you with the right coach there. And now A&M, I think as long as as Jimbo is there, I think it's and safe to assume they will recruit better than Auburn. With Florida as rich of a state as it is and with the state of that state the way it is sure. florida looks like the best program like fau and ucf for all they are which has been pretty good over the last three to five years yeah lane kiffin had one off year but nonetheless they, they he also won two conference titles there my point is uh there can be times where florida can be really challenged to recruit in that state but there is so much talent in georgia florida and texas that it almost doesn't matter. So my yeah. point, the roundabout way of saying that is you are probably most years the fifth or sixth best team in recruiting, which can still land you in the top 10, mind you, which yes. can still put you in that blue chip ratio where you are recruiting at a statistically high enough level to win a national championship. But development comes into play. So if you're not recruiting as well as Georgia and Alabama and LSU, I mean, I think this year is good evidence that the development is there now. The offensive line is going to be the sticking point with fans who are listening and pulling their hair out right now. Well, I, I think as far as the specifically developing individual players, you look at guys that the NFL wanted to see work out on a national stage. And Auburn, both of Auburn's tackles for the last two years, the NFL wants them to work out in front of them when you look at Prince Tega and Jack Driscoll. And to me, I, I know a lot of people are saying, well, Jack Driscoll was a transfer. You mentioned uh, before before we started recording, but he, he was at Auburn for two years, and I think he got better. So I think that's for one thing. And the other thing is, like, Prince Tega was a defensive lineman when he got to Auburn. So, like, there is some level of development happening on the offensive line. As a, as a unit, has it been as good as you wanted it to be the last two no, years? They've no, been, absolutely they've been bad not. at run blocking. Like, they have been objectively bad. You try not to rip on college kids too much. But they know it. Mm-hmm. They were actually fine at pass blocking and at times dipped into good. Right. But they were one-dimensional and at times had a young quarterback who, for all of the things I'd like to say positively about Bo Nix, had some bad games against good teams. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, I want to look at a voicemail. All right. Painter Sharpless, you can call the Locked On. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Auburn Podcast Voicemail Machine, 205-502-4285. That's 205-502-4285. You know quarterbacks are going to come up. Hey, Zach. It's Ben from North Georgia. Hey, I was just going to kind of take a little bit of exception to your show today where you said that you can't 
say Malzahn doesn't develop players. I have never really heard a knock on Malzahn for development of players outside of the quarterback position. As a quarterback position, I mean, you got to remember, he said Jeremy Mar- Jeremy Johnson, Nick Marshall, Sean White, Jason Smith, Howard Queen, Woody Barrett, John Frank with the third, Jared Stidham, Malik Willis, Joey Gatewood, and Cord Sandberg, Cord Sandberg, and Bo Nix. Now, there's only been two quarterbacks out of that entire group that have even finished their careers at Auburn as decent players, better than maybe slightly better than the year that they came in, and they were both transfers, Nick Marshall and Jared Stidham. I mean, Bo Nix has obviously got an opportunity to prove that, that mantra wrong, but when Seven had transferred or changed positions over the years he's been at Auburn, that's the position that I have always heard argued he can't develop players at. So either or, just wanted to nitpick on that. Love the show. War Eagle. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And I, I think you bring, bring up a good point. But if you're going to list all the quarterbacks, I think you got to look at them case by case. I think Jeremy Johnson's situation was just an unfortunate situation that will is going to live on with Gus Malzahn for a long time. I think when you look at Jeremy's backup, Sean White, I think he got better during his time at Auburn. And I would actually say he would he was a good SEC quarterback, but maybe it, at the wrong school. Maybe at the wrong school. And also, like it was clear that he was dealing with other things in yeah. his life. I also wanted, like, I always would have been fascinated to see him at Alabama because it would have been. Fairly like that or guy, Florida before Mullen got there. He had a great arm. It yeah. just wasn't like super strong, but like he was accurate. He was a good quarterback, and yeah. so I, I had always desired to see him on a team that's sort of like just overfill overflowing with talent. Yeah, um, but I, I get it. Like it never went the way you thought it would, and he was an you know an Under Armour All American, and and Trent Dilfer had like all these great things to say about him. So I get that right on the heels too, or at the same time, really, Mm -hmm. of Jeremy Johnson collapsing. And Jeremy had all I think the skill in the world. That was that was the heartbreaking part of that. Yeah, I I agree with you. And so I I I don't I think the Jeremy Johnson thing was just an unfortunate situation. I think Sean White's situation. I mean, we had Trent Dilfer on this podcast. I mean, a few years ago, It, it was under another name at the time, but. He talked about you know how great Sean White was, and he, he halfway through his answer, he was like, "We do not tell the kids where or where not to go to school. We just evaluate them while they're there, and we work with their passing mechanics. We don't have any kind of input on where they go." But I think sometimes some of these kids get enamored with the school too early, and they just stay there. So I, I think that's kind of the thing with Sean White. Um, so I think he got better during his time at Auburn. As far as some of these other guys, like I don't think John Franklin the third was ever brought in to legitimately compete. Um, I think uh, I think that he was going to be a gadget guy to begin with, and then of course he eventually trying to change positions there. And so Jarrett Stidham, I thought he was more impressive his first year than his second year. So if that's one you want to throw out there, I am cool well, with that. Statistically, that's true, but I mean, how much of that is on him? I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know the answer. I don't. I'm not going to say that's like that's not wrong. You know, they went to an SEC title game in his first year. His, but he also his, had carry on one year and not the next year. He and I think even more than that. Look at the offensive line. Sure, um, it was just you know, yeah, you had the SEC offensive player in the year in the backfield with you. But let's you know, for we'll see how his career goes. But I, I think it's telling that he was drafted by Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, in the fourth round. I mean, they they could have waited on him and uh, they went and got him. Um, Nick Marshall. 
you and I, you and I really this is just the weird one. This it, is it's, the one it's that's crazy. Bizarre. I mean, he just he was so much better his second year than his first year, and it is crazy to me how the story that people want to tell is the exact opposite of that. It's odd. Like it, it is odd. You can you know quarrel with the results because they went farther in 2013, and, sure. and you can be frustrated also that they I think they returned 17 starters that year. Now. Some of the guys you lost were so important. And yeah, that Trey to, Mason guy was pretty good. And Greg Robinson, sure. who, who's been, in, unfortunately, in the news for all the wrong reasons of late, yeah. but he was the number two pick. And then you also had that guy, Jay Prosh. Yeah, he was good. So, I, you know, I, I understand. And all their losses essentially came with, you know, they lost to State, and then they lost a bunch of games in November, mm-hmm. um, in particular their rivals, and a bad one to uh, an average Kevin Sumlin team. But that doesn't have anything to do with Nick Marshall's actual statistics. Right. Right. I mean, they put up a ton of points. And I mean, at that time, I think Nick set the the record for like yards in, in an Iron Bowl and yards against Nick Saban at, at Bryant Denny. So I, can I can I run through the box score for him basically please, on the 2013 and 2014 years? Yeah, this make our courtesy case. of sports reference 2013. He played in 13 games. 2014. He played in 13 games. Is that right? Because they played in the an SEC title in 2013. Yes. It is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I just because I was thinking, are they, I don't know. I, I wondered why, why did they not play in one more game in 2013 and 2014? Neither here nor there. 142 of 239. That's a 59 completion percentage the next year. Uh, just a, It was just a tick up, but uh, 178 over 293. That's 60.8. He threw for 2,500 yards his second season. He threw for 1,900 yards. His first season, his yards per attempt went up in his second season. Uh, His touchdowns went up by six. He did have one more interception in his second season. Passed a ton more, though. His quarterback rate went up. So statistically, everything went up in the passing game. Uh, I think his rush numbers actually went down that year, but different offense, and they relied on his arm more. Sure, and you, you lost one of the best running backs in the country. And he, he led. And he they, got they led the country in rushing that year. So mm-hmm. uh, Trey Mason was a Heisman finalist. Like I've, it's been a weird career after Auburn for Greg Robinson and Trey Mason, and it's actually been quite sad. Yeah. But also those guys were incredible and brought a lot of excitement to Auburn football. Yeah, and, and you know, if you want to mention Malik Willis, like Malik Willis was a defensive back. Like everyone was recruiting him as a defensive back, and Auburn took a flyer. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that you need to take a quarterback in every signing class just in case there's something special. I'm same way with NFL teams. I think you need to draft a quarterback in every class just because just in case you find something and it clicks for them. Uh, Cord Sandberg was not recruited to ever be a starter. He was recruited to, to be a solid locker room guy, a solid guy in the quarterback room. And he wants to be a coach moving forward. That's you know, why he's wearing the headset on the sideline. Right. So I think there's a good chance, right, that that where Gus Malzahn goes for the first few years of his career, so goes Cord Sandberg. And maybe, you know, it could be same thing with Chad Morris. I think it'll be a fascinating case to see what Chad Morris decides to do if he ever wants to go back into head coaching. But all that right. aside, the point you're making stands. The guy came in and not to be a viable starter. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Panner, I want to chat about some recruiting stuff that's going down. Keith Niebuhr, I think he's the best in the business. You and I have chatted about him before, but a four-star linebacker, 2021 guy, is expected to visit this Sunday. Barrett Carter, he is from Sewanee, Georgia, goes to North Gwinnett. And, um, yeah, he's going to be there on um, on Sunday, 6'1", 200 pounds, number four outside linebacker nationally, according to 247 Sports. And it, it just seems like Auburn's track record as of late has been Travis Williams sees all these extremely talented linebackers and he gets them on campus and he has he kind of puts Auburn in a legitimate spot to get these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if Barrett Carter eventually um, kind of sees what T-Will's doing and wants to be a part of it. I'm not the first person to make this case. If you're an Auburn fan, I think you want Travis Williams to be around your program for a long time as a defensive coordinator and perhaps one day as a head coach. But uh, I'm not the first person to make that take. I don't want to stake my, you know, put my flag on that. I'm just saying that uh, it would make a lot of sense. And you're right, him and Rodney Gardner especially, it seems like, when they want someone, they often win that battle yeah. against some schools that traditionally Auburn has lost in head-to-heads with, especially in Georgia. And Justin Ferguson made this point. And I thought it was a really interesting note. Okay, when Kevin Steele under, or excuse me, when Kevin Steele recruits someone personally that is being under recruited, it usually is a good sign that they are going to have a very good career. And he listed out at the Athletic. I don't want to take all this thunder, but there have been three or five guys at least within the last few years that Kevin Steele personally recruited like Daniel Thomas who was like yeah it's probably going to a smaller school and then turns into a three-year starter Mm -hmm. or you know goes on to be whatever it is I I thought it was a really fascinating note about some of the the defensive recruiters on Auburn staff yeah I mean it's clear they're getting it done and they the the class that they just put on uh put to bed is is a special one the 2020 group um, as far as the 2021, though, yeah, Barrett Carter is the guy to watch. There's going to be about a dozen recruits on campus this weekend, specifically Sunday, is what uh, Keith is reporting. And he's, he's saying that the Tigers are going to likely sign just two linebackers. They signed a bunch of linebackers in this past class. But if uh, it, it sounds like they want Barrett Carter, a Georgia guy, to be one of those two guys that they signed. So... It makes sense. It makes sense. Then, you know, they're getting these super athletic linebackers on campus now, and that's just kind of the way college football is moving. They want these guys that can be on be on the field for all three downs, stop the run, stop the pass without having to sub a whole bunch. So that'll be, uh, that'll be fun to see him. Uh, another thing I want to get your thoughts on as far as looking ahead to 2022, Auburn has offered a quarterback, Holden Gurner is how I'm going to pronounce it. He's a, he's a Georgia guy from a Savannah. But yeah, already offering sophomore quarterbacks. What are your thoughts on that? You have to, right? Part and you of just it, yeah. mentioned recruiting and how that strategy probably will be to take someone almost every year, maybe every other year, depending on your situation. And also, you're going to have to, instead of just recruiting every season, you know, and, and schools will still do this, but I think there will be times where it becomes more important for a coaching staff to pursue a particularly highly touted quarterback or if they're not highly touted a guy you really want to be your starter because yeah. it's like you, you have to know that if you bring in two in one class you're probably not going to have one of them and, and so the way that you're working your backups and the way that you're recruiting at that position 
is, I think, changing a bit. Yeah, so uh, Gurner, who is uh, he's 6'3", 180, now has four offers, Auburn, Arkansas, Florida State, and Georgia. So we, that'll be interesting to see how he uh, handles his recruitment moving forward. And also, when Auburn gets a 2021 guy, because it's I think it's safe to assume that they will make sure that there is at least a quarterback, one quarterback in the 2021 class, because that's kind of, from a timing standpoint, that's... Assuming Bo leaves after three, if he's good enough to, which I think he's on path to do that, you kind of think whoever they bring in in 2021 is the next guy. Yeah, that seems to be the notion. So if they get if they bring in a stud, if they get a guy that they want, how does that affect the guys that they're offering in the 2022 exactly, class? So. Exactly. It'll be the roster management under the early signing period. I think it has made it harder on coaches, but better for the athletes. And I'm. I, frankly here for that yeah all right one last note i want to get your thoughts on armani goodwin yeah. uh, the four-star running back commit for auburn um he he tore his acl and mcl last year it sounds like he's getting back to speed and he'll he thinks he's going to be 100 percent by the time fall rolls around i think he's gonna be limited in spring they're going to try to get him out there but i mean what do you think the future of this running back position is at auburn i mean this guy's the, the number five running back in the country do you think there's any chance that he sees Tank blow up and say, oh gosh, I don't want to back that guy up for the next few years? Maybe. Uh, I think it depends on the guy and what, and I know maybe is such a bad answer. Uh, <laughs> That's not, okay. It, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it would depend on how good he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. And I think it also probably depends on not just Tank, but some other guys. Like, is he watching Mark Anthony Richards and Tank? Yeah, who were both super young, and, and DJ Williams for that matter. I, I have no idea what the year is going to be like for DJ Williams. He he was statistically good when he played, but his numbers outside of a few big runs actually dipped pretty greatly. So he's going to be an interesting case. And also, it's like, does the offensive line run block better? How does that impact all of those those guys? So I, I don't know. I think it's certainly possible you could see him say that's a pretty crowded running back room, and they've got two really young guys, and really DJ Williams too. He's only a yeah. sophomore, so sure. Um, uh, yeah, that, that possibility seems to be, you know, something that could exist. Also, I think running backs are aware that, uh, by committee in both the NFL and college seems to also be, uh, how it's, how most teams will operate that position. Yeah. Armani Goodwin. I mean, uh, apparently just reading the reports and watching some of the stuff on him, his acceleration is apparently top notch. That's all scouts want to talk about with this guy. He's 5'8", 190. He's very compact. Very low to the ground, which I like in a running back. It's personally. fun. It's endearing, isn't it? When it you is, got a guy yeah. like Sean Shivers or Sproles, anyone that's you know you can name off. Sproles seems to be like I don't know what what why does he's the go to like small back? Yeah, Maurice Jones Drew. Oh God, you sound worse than me. Yeah, Michael Papp has been sitting <laughs> in here, uh, but yeah, I think that's a guy that um that I'm personally excited about. I, I I think Auburn fans need to be aware of his recovery, and it seems like it's sure. going fine, yeah. but. Yeah, love good acceleration report. Love that he's low to the ground. I think that, I think those kind of guys are just so fun to watch. I, so. And I think the way that the coaches are dealing with roster management has actually made the sport more interesting. And with the ability, probably in the in the next few years, based on the Big Ten and the ACC supporting a one time transfer sure. exemption, uh, it's going to make roster management a little more curious. It's not going to create the Armageddon. I think a lot of people expected mm-hmm. to. There may be an overcorrection initially, but. Uh, the, the quarterback and running back positions, especially because of the wear and tear at the running back spot, and then only one can play at quarterback. It's uh-huh. like, 
uh, how coaches deal with those two positions are going to be really fascinating. Yeah, I think it's fun. It, it, it kind of makes more names relevant, too. So I, I yeah. think it makes our job, uh, as far as more guys to cover and more storylines, I'm not going to argue against it. <laughs> Painter, where can people find you and hear you, bud? Please listen to the lunch break from 11 to 1 Central on ESPN 106.7. That's also available to you at ESPNAU.com and on the ESPN 106.7 app. And also... We've got a daily podcast. Check that out. Rate, review, subscribe. If you like what it is Zach's doing here, I think you'll like what it is Justin and I do on the lunch break. And, hey, a little uh, Ole Miss, probably not for the folks here. Maybe so. Uh, Maybe crossovers when when Auburn and Ole Miss play, or if you know Ole Miss folks, send it their way. But uh, the Locked on Ole Miss podcast, your team every day. Love it. Love it. That's Painter Sharpless of ESPN 106.7. I'm Zach Blackaby on Twitter at ZBlackaby. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. Just another reminder, shoot an email to LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com if you were interested in that fantasy baseball league. See you tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.